Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. Should I tell you to give me another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. Well, I want to say good morning to all of you who are here at our Sugarloaf campus. I want to really welcome those at our Mill Creek campus. Say hello to you. A shout out to all of you. We are one church in two locations. We're located here at Sugarloaf, and we are a church at Mill Creek, which is about... I don't know, but 15 miles or so north of us. And so if you're watching online, we welcome you as well. But there's nothing like being here, so I'd encourage you to go to the church that's closest to you. Well, it's called going viral. And uh, if you know what going viral means, it can be something that's stupid. It can be brilliant. It can be good. It can be bad. But it won't be boring. If it goes viral, there's a reason for it. And uh, we're in a series of messages, kind of a fun series, actually, that I thought would be good to kind of start the summer off with, that we're calling Going Viral. Now, in case you're really not up on the social media scene, when something becomes, uh, goes viral, what it simply means is, is it becomes so popular so quickly that it's shared in a relatively short period of time by a tremendous number of people. Sometimes it could be in the thousands, sometimes it can be in the millions. It spreads rapidly from person to person. So in other words, it's going viral. Well, most of us, if we have a, a, a smartphone or a tablet or whatever it is you might use, almost everybody I know has an app on your Bible called the Bible app or it's called the, the version. It's used by over 50 million people now. I use it every morning in my own devotional time. And last year, over 70 million verses were shared between various people for various reasons. So at the end of the year, they give a report on what the most shared verses were. So we thought it would be a neat thing to take the top four verses that were shared over the last year, the most popular verses, for whatever the reason, these were the verses that were the most shared, they were the most bookmarked, they were the most highlighted, they were the most Facebooked, they were the most Twittered out. These were the most popular verses of the last year. And we thought it would be good to say, okay, let's look at these verses. Evidently, there's something behind these verses. Let's see why they went viral. Let's see, kind of, kind of understand what people were thinking when they sent them out to begin with. Now, if you missed last week's message, you can pick up a copy of it in the Resource Center, or you can go on our website online, and you can actually watch it if you would like. But let me just kind of give you a quick review. We're taking these in reverse order. We told you last week that the fourth viral verse was Joshua 1.9. And it's all about success, but not success in the way we think of being successful. It's more along the lines of what God says success is. We learned last week that what we think success is and what God says success is is two totally different things. 
And basically what I said last week was that God teaches us that if you have a need to succeed, it pays to obey. That's the bottom line. If you're, one, if you're a business person out there and you say, I want my business to be successful. If you're a family member and you say, I want to be a successful mom or a successful dad. I want to be successful in my schooling. I want to be successful in whatever endeavor uh, I enter into in my life. God says, okay, it's real simple. If you need to succeed, it pays to obey. What we said last week was that God's way to success is to obey the will of God and the word of God. That's the way to succeed. Anything else is a failure. If you fail to obey God's will in your life, and if you fail to obey the word of God in your life, no matter what else you do in your life, you will be a complete and total failure in the eyes of God. That was the fourth most viral verse. Now, to be honest, the third most shared verse, or the verse that went viral, was kind of a big surprise to me. Um, I would have never seen it coming. It's a verse that is found in the Gospel of Matthew. If you brought a copy of God's Word, or you want to look on uh, your tablet, or iPhone, or smartphone, whatever, turn to the first Gospel. There are four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, and this verse is found actually in a really familiar part uh, of Scripture. But when we read this verse, it may become apparent why this verse made the top four. We've kind of thrown it up on the screen. We'll do it again. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, said part of the things that we should pray is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, at first I told you that just kind of surprised me. I just would not have thought that would have been a viral verse. And yet, on the other hand, as I got to thinking about it, maybe it's probably easy to understand why this would be one of the top four verses, the most popular verses shared uh, in social media. Because there is one thing that everyone on this planet deals with all over the world. It doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter what creed you may believe in. It doesn't matter whether you're religious or non-religious. Doesn't matter whether you go to church, you don't go to church. Doesn't matter whether you are American or you are French or you're Canadian. It's absolutely ubiquitous. Everybody deals with temptation. Everybody. I, in fact, I love what the great playwright Oscar Wilde said. He said, I can resist almost anything except temptation. Uh, so true. I can resist almost anything except temptation. Now, on the one hand, the fact that Jesus included this in the Lord's Prayer ought to clue us in on something. It ought to let us know that we are going to have to learn how to deal with temptation on a daily basis because the Lord's Prayer was meant to be prayed every single day. It wasn't a once-a-month prayer or a once-every-other-year prayer or a once-a-decade prayer. The Lord's Prayer was a prayer that we were to pray every day. So one thing that tells me is I know that every day you and I are going to face temptation. We're going to have to face what the things that, that we know we shouldn't do, that we may do. We're going to have to face things that we really ought to do, but we don't do. And so I already know that learning how to deal with temptation on a daily basis is crucial to being everything that God wants us to be. Now, there's something else this little sentence tells us, and it's something we forget so often. That is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, or let me just say this to you, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, but one day you decide to become one, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, one thing this sentence tells me and reminds me is this, whether you realize it or not, we're in a war. Every day, we're in a war. As a matter of fact, you can almost think of it this way. 
Every day when you get out of bed, you're going to battle. Matter of fact, there's a biblical term for the battle that we're in, and that biblical term is spiritual warfare. That's what we face every day. If we're believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus, every day we face spiritual warfare. Let me tell you why. When you give your life to Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the very first thing that happens to you is God sends his Holy Spirit to live in you. Now, the Holy Spirit that lives in you does not want you to give in to temptation and does not want you to give in to sin. The Holy Spirit that lives within you wants you to obey the will of God. The Holy Spirit that lives within you wants to obey, wants you to obey the Word of God. The problem is every other spirit outside of us wants exactly the opposite of what the spirit inside wants for us. So every spirit outside of you, the world, the flesh, the devil, it wants you or they want you to never, ever obey the word of God, to never get in the center of God's will. They want you to do whatever is wrong that God says is right, and they don't want you to do whatever is right that God says is right. They want you to always disobey and rebel against God. And see, here's what we fail to understand, and, and we preachers, frankly, don't do a very good job of communicating this. Everybody in this room, you've heard it ad infinitum time and time and time and time again that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins. That's true. That's a true statement. Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sin. However, that's not the total story. Jesus did not just die on the cross to save us from our sin singular, that is our sinful nature, that part of us that separates us from God. He also died on the cross to save us from our sins, plural. In other words, Jesus didn't just, didn't just die to win the war over sin so that we could have eternal life and we could go to heaven. That, that's obviously a big part of it, but that's not all he did. The other reason that Jesus died was so that through his death and through his resurrection, he could empower us to win this daily battle we face over temptation and over sins. Now, let me just be honest. Of all the things that we're told to pray in the Lord's Prayer, we all know that prayer by heart, most likely, or most of us do, but of all the things that Jesus told us to pray, quite honestly, this is the most difficult to understand. This, this one really puzzles me. And, and if you're honest, it kind of puzzles, puzzles you too, because he says, all right, one of the things you ought to pray is ask God not to lead you into temptation. Well, that, that raises a question. You want to say, well, wait a minute. Why would I ask God not to lead me into the very thing he does not want me to give into? Why, 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 why would I do that? Why, why would I say to God, okay, you don't want me to give into temptation, right? No, I really don't. Well, then don't lead me there. Well, now, wait a minute. Why would I ask God not to lead me into the very thing he does not want me to give into? Well, Here's the key to understanding that this, this part of this prayer. Back before the New Testament was written, the Greek word that was used for temptation did not mean temptation. Before the New Testament came along, that is not what the word temptation meant. As a matter of fact, it rarely ever meant being tempted to sin or being tempted to do wrong. That's really not the word meant. What the word originally meant was to test or or to try. So let me kind of kind of put this in your mind. Not every test is a temptation, but every temptation is a test. 
Remember that. Not every test is a temptation, but every temptation is a test. So even though God never leads us to be tempted, you know, James says that later on. He said God would never do that. Even though God never leads us to be tempted, he does allow us to be tested through temptation in order to teach us to trust him to overcome temptation. Do you understand that? God does not lead us into temptation. However, God allows us to be tested through temptation in order to teach us to trust him to resist temptation. So in essence, here's what Jesus is telling us. Our heavenly father will never lead us into temptation, but he can lead us out of temptation if we'll follow him. He'll never lead us into it. But he can lead us out of it if we're willing to follow him. So we can pray as this prayer directs us to enable God's power to work in us to bring us through temptation. Now, I'm just going to take this sentence and do what Jesus did. He said two things in this sentence. So I'm going to tell you the two things that Jesus told us to pray. All right, number one, he said, let God direct you. That's the first thing Jesus tells us. If you want to overcome temptation, let God direct you. So let's go back to the first part of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Now let me just stop. That is obviously a prayer. Somebody's kind of figured this out, okay? When would you know when would you most likely pray that prayer? At what time of the day? Somebody tell me. Yeah, in the beginning, right? You wouldn't pray that at the end of the day. Day's over. So obviously, this is a prayer that Jesus meant for us. At least this part of the prayer is a prayer that we were meant to pray every morning. Because every morning when you walk out your door, you're walking into a world full of temptation. We were, um, we were in Israel a couple of years ago. We're going to Israel next year. Hope you can join us. And one of the, one of the big things everybody wants to go when they go, do when they go to Israel, they want to get baptized in the Jordan River, right? Pretty cool thing to do. And it's one of the, most, uh, one of the best things I ever get to do as I love to baptize people uh, in the Jordan River. As a matter of fact, there are some people, some of you that have gone with me that I never got to baptize when you originally got baptized, and I got to hold you under a long time. So it was kind of a fun thing for me when you went to the Jordan River. So there are some of you I'm praying will go because I want to do that to you, and I won't tell you who you are. However... People love to get baptized in the Jordan River. Well, the site that we go to now, we really believe is very close to the original site where Jesus actually baptized. And it's kind of an interesting place where we go. The spot where we baptize now is right on the border between Jordan and Israel. As a matter of fact, when I was there a couple of years ago, we were baptizing in the Jordan River. I'm baptizing there in the river. The river's only maybe as wide as this, maybe this row of chairs right here. It's not very wide at all. And on the bank, up above us were about 15 Jordanian soldiers watching us get baptized. Thank God they were friendly. But they, they, they were up there on the bank, and they were watching us, you know, baptize these people. They are really fascinated by it. Well, the, the thing that's interesting is to get down to the river, you've got to take this long kind of winding gravelly road, and you go between these two fields. Now, as you get on this road, there are two signs on either side of the field, and they're warning signs. And what they say is, these fields are filled with landmines. Now, when you look at those fields, you, you don't see the mines. You, 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 it looks like an ordinary field. It looks like you could put cattle in them or sheep in them or goats in them. It looks like just a normal, ordinary field. But we're warned by those signs that 
there are landmines there, and, and you're not to go in there. And I, and I don't mind telling you, I didn't see anybody taking a walk through those mines, those fields. Okay, I didn't see anybody. I mean, it was totally empty. Well, as we were, as we were going down to the river, everything, you know, is, is, is grist for the, for the pastor's mill, as an old saying used to go. And I, as I was driving, as we were driving down to the Jordan River, I thought to myself, that is a perfect picture of the world that we live in. See, every day you and I go out, we go to our jobs, we go to school, we go to our, 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 our uh, you know, football practice, or we go here, we go there, we go to the mall, we go over where we, you know, wherever we go, and we think we're just kind of driving through just a beautiful field. But there are landmines out there. They're, they're pocketed with temptation. And, 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 and it happens every day. Somebody tomorrow is going to take one step in the wrong direction. And they're going to blow their marriage completely apart. Somebody today will take a step in the wrong direction. And their ministry is going to be completely ruined. Somebody is going to take a step in the wrong direction. And their reputation is going to be totally destroyed. And what Jesus is telling us is we need to pray every day. That our Heavenly Father will not lead us, will protect us and direct us and make sure that wherever we walk, we'll see these landmines of temptation and we won't step on them and we won't blow ourselves to bit. Now, I realize, again, that kind of sounds like a strange request because a holy God obviously would never lead his, his people that he wants to be holy into a situation where they might become unholy. Okay, I get that. As a matter of fact, again, we're told that very specifically. The Lord's brother James said, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. In other words, you cannot tempt God to ever do anything wrong, and God will never tempt you to do anything wrong. That's the kind of God that we serve and the kind of God that he is. But I want to show you how, why Jesus brilliantly and accurately tells us exactly what to pray. Because again, when you first look at this, you say, I just don't understand, again, why am I supposed to ask him not to lead me where he does not want me to go? Here's what Jesus was saying. When somebody is leading, that means you are what? You're following, right? If somebody's leading, that means that you are following, all right? When you follow the leader, that means the leader is calling the shots. If, if somebody's leading and you're following, it means they are calling the shots. Now, watch this. This is so brilliant what Jesus says. Jesus says the key to winning the battle over temptation is surrender. Now, I, 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 let, just, just think about that for a minute. How many of you have ever served in the military? Hold your hand up. Real high. Just By the way, thanks for serving our country. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, were you ever taught in the military the way to win a battle is to surrender? No, you, you, whoever won by retreating, you don't win by surrender. Matter of fact, the object of war is not to surrender, right? And yet Jesus comes along and says, no, exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. Things are different in God's kingdom. Because listen, every time you're tempted, now think about this. Every time you're tempted, you're going to surrender to something. Every time you are going to surrender. You're either going to surrender to the temptation and give in to it, 
or you're going to surrender to the Lord who will never lead you into temptation, but he will lead you out of temptation. So think about it this way. If you ask somebody to lead you, if you say, you know, in a given situation, would you please lead me? No matter where you're asking them to lead you, here's what you're telling them. You're saying to that person, I am surrendering to your leadership. I am surrendering to your authority. I am going to follow you. And Jesus said, if every day you will just make up your mind, I'm going to surrender all that I am to my heavenly father. I'm going to follow the leadership of my heavenly father. He will never lead you into a situation of temptation that you cannot handle. See, our problem is, and you know this, too often we purposely walk into situations where we know we're going to be tempted. I heard about a guy one time, there was a man that was very frustrated. <clears throat> he kept circling a block downtown. He had an appointment, he kept circling a block downtown, and he kept looking for a place to park, and he couldn't find one. He was going to be late for his appointment. And so realizing he was going to be late, he went ahead, parked his car in a no-parking spot, and he left this note on the windshield. I've circled this block 20 times. I have an appointment, and I've got to keep it or lose my job Please don't give me a ticket. Forgive me of my sin. When he got back, there was a traffic ticket along with this note that the officer had left. And here's what he wrote. I have circled this block for 20 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I will lose my job. Don't lead me into temptation. Now, one of the ways, one of the ways that God keeps us out of temptation. It just gives us the wisdom and he gives us the discernment not to get into a tempting situation to begin with. That's the one of the ways that God does it. Now, see, you, you, listen, you can pray this prayer and, 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 and not really be sincere. You say, well, okay, wait a minute. How do I know if I really mean this prayer? If I really say, Lord, don't lead me into temptation with delivering from evil. Lord, how, how, you know, how do you know that you're really praying this prayer? It's real simple. One of the real proofs that you really mean this prayer when you pray it is that every day you do everything in your power to stay out of a tempting situation. It means every day of your life, you are looking for places where you know, if I go there, I could slip. If I go there, I could fall. If I go there, I could really do damage to myself. I'm just not going to do there. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid a temptation situation. See, one of the best ways I've learned in my own life to avoid falling into sin, I just avoid the temptations that I know that are out there. You know, we, we've got a little phrase that we use with, 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 uh, 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 with, with this. We call it uh, flirting with danger. Don't, don't flirt with danger. That's such an apropos way of putting that because there's a danger in flirtation. I know former pastors. I, I know I, there, there's a young man I'm thinking about right now. He was uh, younger than I am. He was an up-and-comer. He had a fantastic exploding ministry in another state that I won't even mention. He could be watching this program right now. He may know I'm talking about him. He had an uh, unbelievable ministry. His future was bright, as bright as it could be. Lost it all. You know how it started? Flirtation. He started flirting. And, 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 and the, the, the point is, he, you know, there are so many people out there. They're no longer in the ministry. They're no longer pastors. They're no longer, uh, you know, in church. And you know where it all started? With the danger of flirting and flirting with danger. Listen, 
I thought about when I was preparing this message, I thought, there are people who are going to listen to this. They're just going to yawn and they're going to take me seriously because they, you know, they think they've got everything under control. They think they've got this. And, and this thought hit me out of the blue, and I thought, man, if, 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 they, if you would just believe this next statement, I'm going to save a lot of you a lot of heartache. I may save a marriage in what I'm about to tell some of you right now. I may save your job by what I'm about to tell you right now. I may save your family. I may save your children by what I'm going to say right now. So I want you to draw in real close. I want you to listen to this next statement. Listen. The greatest temptation you will ever face is the one that you think you can handle on your own. The greatest temptation that you will ever face is the one that you think you can handle on your own. I mean, it, it, it's, just, it, it's just so true. I mean, it's just, in fact, it's just incredible to me. Listen, you don't prove how strong you are. You don't prove what a great Christian you are by coping with temptation. You prove how strong you are by seeing how far away you can stay up, stay from it. Because you see, when you do stumble into temptation, whether it's out of ignorance or maybe you're, you're just not paying close enough attention, if you're really walking with God, let's say you stumble into a situation. If you're really walking with God and you really mean this prayer, here's what God will do. He will, he will provide an exit sign. He'll tell you how to get out of that situation. Let me tell you a true to life story. I don't do very much counseling. As a matter of fact, 99% of the counseling I do, I'm doing it right here, right now. Okay, this is where I do my counseling. Because I've told you before, I'm just not a really a, a good counselor. And I don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one counseling. And, and, you know, most of you probably, you know, know this. If you don't, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, I never counsel a woman alone, ever. I don't ever counsel a woman alone. So, you know, occasionally a woman will say, I, I need to come and see the pastor. So I'll always say to Callie, well, tell her either she'd bring somebody with her or you'll sit in with her, but I just don't see a woman alone. And, and let me tell you kind of how all this came to me. It kind of, I kind of fell into it accidentally. When I got out of seminary, we moved to Laurel, Mississippi, my first church out of seminary that I was pastoring. And, uh, you know, my first full-time church, and I was wet behind the ears. I was green and, and uh, you know, just didn't know a whole lot. And so uh, I had a beautiful office, as beautiful an office as I've ever had. And it was a, uh, it was a, a kind of a, a oak-paneled office, and it had a, it put a new, beautiful uh, oak-paneled wooden door, and, uh, but it didn't have any windows. The, the door didn't have any windows, and, and the windows in the office were shuttered because it, the sun would come in, it would get real hot, and so that, but it was a beautiful, beautiful, real cool, and it was real nice. Well, there was a woman that called. I'd been pastor there not long, and a woman called and made an appointment, wanted to see me, and you know, I said, sure. So uh, I ushered into my office, and, and uh, I shut the door, and I, I sat behind my desk, and, and she was sitting on the other side of the desk. And so this woman began to share about her marriage, and she began to tell me about the problems, you know, in, in her marriage, the difficulties she was having in her marriage. And she was really frustrated because her husband was not a believer. She couldn't get her husband to go to church, and, 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 and she didn't know how to deal with it. So I, I gave her the best advice that I could. I even offered to come out and visit with her and her husband if that would help, or maybe take her husband to lunch. Maybe I could, you know, share the gospel with him, try to win him to Christ. So the session, I thought, was about over. And so I said, let me, let me pray for you before we go. Well, uh, she said, well, I need to tell you one other thing. And I said, okay, sure. Well, honest to God, I didn't notice when she walked in that she kind of had a relatively low-cut blouse on. I, I just didn't pay any attention to it. Well, when, when she said, I need to tell you something else, I said, sure. She, she got up from her chair, and you can get the picture. She leaned over my desk with her elbows, 
And she said to me, my husband is not meeting my sexual needs. Now, I'm not going to say what I heard was from the Holy Spirit. But here's all that I kept hearing in my mind. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, Will Robinson. I, I don't know if that was the Spirit of God or not. That's all I could hear in my mind, okay? Danger, Will Robinson. Well, I mean, I stood up just like that. I mean, I hit the floor. I said, let me tell you something. This counseling session is over. I am not a sex therapist. You need to go to somebody with a higher pay grade than I've got, and you don't ever need to come see me again, ever. She, she's out the door, okay? I was shaking like a leaf. I'm telling you. I mean, I was shaking like a leaf. And so uh, as soon as she left, I called my assistant in, kept the door open. I told her exactly what happened. Here's what I said to her. I said, okay, new policy. Because the other pastor, he'd done it a lot. He was a big counselor, and he did. I said, all right, new policy. I never counsel a woman alone, period. She said, what? nope. I said, I never counsel a woman alone, and especially with the door shut, not, not going to do it. I said, as a matter of fact, from now on I counsel, her this one, I said, I said, you move your chair around on the other side where you can look into my office and you can see what's going on. And she said, well, I think you're overreacting. I said, let me tell you something. I said, that woman could have ripped her blouse and accused me of something I didn't even do and my, my ministry's over. I said, I'm, I, I, I said, you can call me Dr. Merritt. You cannot call me Dr. Ruth, okay? I, I am not in that business. Now, what happened that day in my life was a direct answer to this prayer. God said, okay, I didn't lead you into this, but I'm going to lead you out of this. Here's the exit sign. Get out and get out now. God got me out of it. And by the way, not only did God lead me out of it, listen to what he did. He said, let me give you some wisdom and discernment so you never get into it again. Let me tell you how to always stay at it. Let me tell you how to never ever to set yourself up like this again. So before we come to the second part of this message, I want to show you something that hit me that I've never thought about before. It's interesting when you read the Lord's Prayer that you read this part, you know, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Well, before Jesus prayed that prayer, or told us to pray that part of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, do you remember what comes right before it? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, why do you think that right after that part of the prayer where Jesus says, forgive us our sins, he then says, oh, by the way, why don't you pray, lead us not into temptation? Well, what is sin? Sin is simply giving into temptation. So this thought hit me, and I thought I'd just kind of throw it out and let you chew on it. I believe if we prayed a lot more, lead us not into temptation, we'd have to pray a lot less, forgive us of our sins. So, you know, I think too often, we're too often wasting or spending time praying for God to forgive us for sins, where if we'd have spent more time praying, don't lead us into temptation, we wouldn't have sinned to begin with. So let God direct you. Say, God, I'm going to follow your leadership. And the point that Jesus made was the only way to overcome temptation, the only way is to let God direct you. Let God direct you away from it. And let God protect you if you ever stumble into it. All right, that's step one. Let God direct you. Here's the second. Let God deliver you. Let God deliver you. He says, listen to the second part of the prayer, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Real simple. Okay, let God direct you, lead us not into temptation, and let God deliver you, deliver us from the evil ones. Now, some of you have a version of the Bible that just says deliver us from evil. And I'm, I'm, I'm a part of that group that believes that the better translation is deliver us from the evil one. Because we're not just to get up against this nebulous force of evil in the abstract. I believe the Bible clearly teaches that we're up against the forces of evil in the concrete. We're, we're against evil personified in a person known as the devil. Because remember, I told you that every day is a war. And I told you that every day as a follower of Jesus, we go to battle. You say, okay, you didn't tell me. Who are we fighting? Good question. Well, the apostle Paul said this. He said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, our, our real battle is not against Hollywood. Our, our real battle is not against pornography. Our real battle is not against profanity and obscenity. Those are all kind of the symptoms. They're, they're kind of the, out, the, the outward manifestation. He says, our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So I just want to get this out. I believe in the devil. And I believe in the demonic. And I believe in the spiritual forces of the dark. And by the way, if for no other reason, I do because Jesus did. Jesus believed it, I believed it. And he certainly believed in the devil. Now, let me just say this before I get into this part of the message. I'm real careful when I talk about the devil and demons. Because I don't want to go to extreme on, on either side. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil and demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. That's a danger. The other is to believe and to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They are equally pleased by both errors. I don't want to fall into either trap. I am not going to stand up here like uh, some quote-unquote Bible scholars do and say, oh, the devil, come on, man. That's a figment of our imagination. There's no such thing as a personal devil. You mean that guy in a red, you know, red suit and a pitchfork looking for people to bending over? I mean, I don't believe that kind of a devil. Well, I don't know that I do either. On the other hand, do I look for, you know, is there a demon under every rock? No, I don't believe. I mean, there's some people that they're so, they're so obsessed with it, they won't even eat deviled eggs. Okay, I, 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 that, I, I, that's not where I am. That's not where I am at all. I do believe in them, but I'm not excessive about them. So it really isn't hard, if you think about it, it really isn't hard to find the devil's fingerprints almost anywhere you want to look. Because you remember what Jesus called him? Jesus called him several things. He called him a tempter. He called him a liar. He called him a murderer. So Jesus said, behind all temptation is this tempter. Behind all murder is this murderer. Behind all lying is this liar. By the way, you know where we get the word devil from? It actually comes from the Greek word diabolos. We get the word diabolic from that. It means slanderer, somebody who spreads lies, somebody who deceives. See, that's what the devil loves to do. You don't think you can see the devil's fingerprints right now in our culture? I mean, every day, everything we thought was right, we're now being told is wrong. And so many things that we were told were wrong, now we're being told is right. The devil loves to make us think that wrong is right. He loves to make us think that bad is good. And the lie that he really loves to make us believe is, hey, 
You can sin. You can do wrong. You can trash this book. You can kick God out of culture and God out of schools and God out of culture and God out of society and you can get away with it. Except there's one little part of the Bible that says God is not mocked. No, you really can't. But the devil says, oh yes, you can. And the point that Jesus is making is either God will deliver you from his power or Satan will dominate you with his power. There is no, there's, there's no such thing as the no man's land. There is no middle ground. It's one way or the other. That's why Jesus said we must pray consistently and we must pray constantly that God would deliver us from the devil. By the way, that word deliver, that's not just a kind of a calm term in the Greek language. It's a violent word. It's a strong word. What it literally means, it means to snatch and to pull away. So let me tell you what Jesus was really saying to us. Jesus was saying, I don't care how spiritually strong you think you are. I don't care how spiritually mature that you think you are. I don't care how strong you think your willpower is. You and I are no match for the devil. Let me tell you something. The greatest Christian in the world, whoever that might be today, the greatest Christian in the world is no match for the devil. And I have seen people go down in flames because they walked into a tempting situation and here's what they thought. I got this. I can handle this. I can overcome this. And what Jesus is saying is never go on the attack with the devil. Never pick a fight with the devil. Because if you ever pick a fight with him, you will be in over your head. He will, you will lose every single time. You know, there's a phrase that we, that we hear today bandied about. It's called too big to fail. And there's this, there's this new uh, theory out there that certain corporations and certain businesses are so large, they're so big, they're so interconnected that they just simply cannot go down. They cannot be allowed to fail because their failure would be so disastrous to so many other businesses and so many other people, they just can't fail. Let me tell you something. There is not a follower of Jesus Christ on this planet too big to fail, including this guy. Not a one of us are too big to fail. And when it comes to the devil and temptation, here's the bad news. The bad news is you're not too big to fail. Here's the good news. God is too big to fail you. God will never fail you. See, here's what we sometimes forget. You say, I, I thought that when Jesus died on the cross, he defeated the devil. He did. I, I thought that when, when, when Jesus came back from the grave, he defeated the devil. He did. But he ain't dead. Satan is alive and well on planet earth. As a matter of fact, the, the, Peter, the disciple, who did a lot of business with the devil, he wrote this. He said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour it. I'll be honest with you. I have yet to meet the man. I have yet to meet the woman who is any match for a lion. Well, maybe Tarzan. But outside of Tarzan, I've never met anybody that is a match for a lion. And yet, on the other hand, we don't need to tremble. We don't need to fear this lion because the James, going back to him, wrote these words. He said, submit yourselves. Let me just kind of put a word back in there. Surrender yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's the secret to victory. I go all the way back. 
It all comes down to a white flag. Every morning you get up and you wave the white flag and you say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you so I won't surrender to him. I'm going to surrender to one or the other. So I'm going to get ahead of the game. I surrender to you so I will not surrender to him. And when you pray, lead me not into temptation, you are surrendering yourself to God's leadership. When you pray, deliver me from the evil one, he takes over, he does the fighting, and in his power, you can resist the devil, and he will flee every time. Listen, I, I've experienced it in my life, and I'm sure you have. I can tell you, there's been so many times in my life, I have watched the backside of the devil take off and run as hard as he could. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the fact that before I even walked into the battle, I have surrendered to my Heavenly Father, I love the way Martin Luther handled temptation. Somebody asked Martin Luther one time, they said, how do you do it? You, you seem to have such a joyful, happy, wonderful, victorious life. And, and yet we know that you face the same temptations we do. How do you do it? And here's what he said. He said, well, every time the devil knocks on the door of my heart, I just say, Jesus, would you answer that, please? And he said, every time Jesus opens the door, Satan runs. That is so true. See, you get in trouble when you answer the door. But if you just start getting in your mind, every time temptation knocks at my door, every time the devil knocks, I'm going to let Satan, I'm going to let Jesus answer the door. Now, let me just wrap this up by saying this. We were praying, the staff and I, as you know, we, we pray over every seat in this building, every Sunday, before you get here, way before you get here. We're here early. I prayed over this section right here. This was my section today. And as I was laying my hands on every seat, I said, Lord, I don't know who's going to be sitting in this seat today. And I don't know what particular battle they're in. I don't know what particular fight. Maybe, maybe they're fighting for their marriage. Maybe they're fighting for a kid. Maybe they're, they're, they're fighting for their own spiritual health. Maybe they're fighting for the soul of someone in their family that's lost. I, I, I don't know what, what they're fighting for. I don't know what particular sin or temptation. And, and I don't. And so let me just say that. I don't know what particular temptation you're facing that's really overwhelming. I, I, I don't know what particular battle you may be losing right now. And, you, and, and, and some of you right now, you're, 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 you're almost exhausted. You're beaten, you're battered, you're bruised, you're bloodied, and you're tired of losing. I, I just want to say this to you. If you will let God direct you, he will guide you away from temptation. And if you will let God deliver you, he will protect you in temptation. Because God has made a promise. He always delivers on time. God has a 100% delivery record. 100%. When you let God direct you, 100% of the time, he will deliver you. So I just want to wrap this up by saying this. If you're here, as you are in this building, or you're at Mill Creek, or you're watching online, or you're watching on television right now, and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to hear this. The biggest temptation you will ever face in this life is to say no to Jesus. The biggest temptation you will face in, the life, in this life, for whatever the reason, I don't need Jesus, 
I'm not buying this Jesus stuff. I've done okay without Jesus. The biggest temptation you'll face is to say no to Jesus. So I close with this. Every one of us will walk out of this room. Every one of us will get off our computer or you'll turn off your TV or whatever you might be doing. Every one of us will do it one of two ways. Totally surrendered to Jesus are totally surrendered to something or someone else. And here's all I want to leave you with. When you surrender to Jesus, you win every time. You surrender to anybody else. You lose not just every time. You lose for all eternity. So, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. And I know you will do it every time. Let's pray together.